0: Hello, welcome to The Final Swipe, a podcast about healing our hearts and finding love. I'm your host, Nikki Novo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Final Swipe. So excited to be here with you today. Extra excited because we have two really amazing, cool women who are with us to give um, some laughs, some guidance, a little bit of everything. The, coming from the Dateable Podcast, introducing to you, UA and Julie of the Dateable Podcast. Which, if you don't already subscribe to their podcast, you should be downloading it. So, but we'll talk about that more later. But welcome, ladies! Thanks for being here with me. Thanks, for having, Thanks us. for having us. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a fun party. So, yeah. I have, um, we have, I have. Lots that I want to talk to you about and lots to cover, but I was hoping at first you can start off with how you started the podcast and what made you want to start it.
1: <laughs> we love telling this story. It's like a meet cute story of like a rom-com. So <laughs> <laughs> Julie and I met probably five years ago, probably five years ago, because we started the podcast shortly after we met. And it was uh, through, so Julie had this really great, Uh, business where she was connecting people over brunch in real life who had similar interests. So it was a great way to meet random people that you wouldn't normally meet in real life. And we met at one of her brunches, ironically enough, and we became fast friends. And we noticed everything we talked about was about dating. Everything was about (laughs) modern (laughs) dating. I had just moved to San Francisco. Julie had been in San Francisco for most of her adult life. We did a lot of compare and contrast, but also just like the craziness of navigating what the, what the hell is going on? I mean, we just kept <laughs> asking what is going on. And we both had really good stories and the people around us had really good stories. So we thought, why don't we try a podcast? Why not? Let's see what happens. And when we first started, it was all about just telling dating stories. And we knew that there would be endless stories to tell. (laughs) But I think now that we're in our 10th, we just wrapped our 10th season. We quickly realized that it's not just the dating stories. It's really taking away from the stories what we can learn from it and getting to the bottom of why people do the things they do.
2: Yeah. And like, some of the one of the reasons why I actually started the company to meet in real life was from my own frustrations on apps. Like it felt like I would be Mm -hmm. on apps, and I would have a ton of dates, but not many of them would actually lead anywhere. And I was, you know, went through my own kind of like self discovery and challenges with dating and UA had a background as a dating coach. So she had her own unique experiences. And I think that's why we kind of felt like we needed to do this platform to really hear other people's stories. And what we soon realized is that everyone had very unique experiences, but they also had a lot of the same underlying themes. And we actually kind of started this as like a dating in San Francisco podcast because we thought it was so unique and so different. And then we quickly realized Like the same issues here were everywhere. They just showed up in a little bit of a different way. But the underlying changes like with technology, with gender roles, like all of the shifts that were happening were universal.
0: So it sounds like you guys are like running an experiment and you're watching <laughs> all these crazy humans do this crazy thing. Kind of, actually. <laughs>
2: <right. laughs> Except that
0: we're that
1: also is- part of the experiment. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> totally.
2: Good. I think some of the most interesting things we've done is we've actually done some like he said, she said perspective dates where two people go out and UA and I've also oh, done okay. this where we've had our own past dates on the podcast to share their perceptions of us in it has been mind blowing just to see how different people perceive different things. And I think it's really shown us that, you know, so much of this is just, just having compassion for other people and everyone's just trying to do their best here.
0: Yes. I I love that. I always, I always think about that. And I always like remind my clients and my students that, you know, at the end of the day, like everything that you're feeling, the other person's feeling as well. Like we're all like these humans, but we, you know, we put it, we put each other on pedestals and we have all these ideas, but I think that that's the beautiful um, perspective that you guys offer. So I I love that, that I've not heard the podcast where people are, um, your past dates are talking about you. And that's interesting. (laughs) scary all at the same time. <laughs> um, Ju- I know Julie you're dating, but UA, are you also dating?
1: No, I've been in a relationship for almost 2 years now.
0: Oh, wow. Did you I was wondering about that. Like, did you feel that it might be scary to like change your I identity because like maybe your identity was like wrapped up in being like a person that goes on dates and like having, because of like, you know, what you do Um, or did it like, was there any kind of, um, was it hard to make that transition or you felt like, okay, to be like, okay, I'm ready for this.
1: That's a really interesting question. So when, when I lived in New York, I had my own dating coach business and it was called Miss Singlefied. I was called, you know, I was like known as ask Miss Single Side, any dating questions you have. And a mm-hmm. friend posed this question to me, and he was like, what happens when you're not single? What are you right. then? So I ended up getting, um, I bought the domain Marryfied, because I was like, well, <laughs> eventually, sure. Single Side will become Fide. <laughs> and when we started the podcast, I had the exact same thought is, well, we are always going to evolve. But our podcast is more than just single people dating. In fact," So many of our friends who are in relationships who are married listen to the podcast, too. So I think it's actually really nice that Julie and I can offer perspectives from someone who's single and someone who's in a relationship. But it's all based around human connection.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) The other thing too, it's like we've been doing this now for four years. So both of us have actually shifted our relationship statuses quite a bit in those four years. As you would imagine, like we haven't mm-hmm. just been static. So when I started the pod, when we started the podcast, I was in a relationship UA was single and then we've shifted along the way. There was a period that we were both single. There was a period where we were both dating like, or in relationships. Like it's just like, it's, it's kind of zigged and zags throughout. And I think what we've learned, too, is a lot of this is beyond dating. It's how you navigate long-term relationships, like what the work that you need to do on yourself. Like, I think when we first started this, we thought it would always be about just two people interacting. And what we've learned is so much of this is self-work. Oops, sorry about that. Self work that doesn't change. Like it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away because you get in a relationship. It doesn't go away because you get married. Like this is something that's just a continued el- evolution through the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always think I always like remind my my students also like when, especially in that dating process, like we put so much emphasis on the other person because we we like, oh, bring this new human into our experience, into our life. But It's really like more than ever a time to watch and care for ourselves because that like depending on how we feel about ourselves, how we are viewing ourselves, all that kind of stuff is like how we're going to relate to that other person. So it's like it's an ongoing Mm. project for sure. Absolutely. So I also, so (laughs) UA, I found it funny um, because so Julie, you were, you've been in San Francisco for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And then UA came from New York, right?
1: I lived in Beijing for two years before moving to San Francisco. So it was like New York, uh, Beijing, and then San Francisco.
0: Okay. So I would love, so I, I'm based in Miami, but I have a lot of clients all around the country, also all around the world as well. But I definitely, I remember, I think it was probably maybe last year or two years ago, I was getting a huge, um, a huge group from San Francisco. Mm. And I happened to visit there because my sister-in-law is from, is from the Bay area. And when I went there, I was like, I got, I got to see what's going on here because I've only, (laughs) I've only dated in Miami and I've dated in LA. The two places I've lived. And, uh, I was just, Fat, San Francisco always seemed like such a fascinating dating market to me. I think mm-hmm. that there I it was one thing that I really noticed, at least within my clients, remember I'm not dating there, but I was kind of like working through the clients was how, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. It was just, this is just like my perception, but almost, I guess because the gender roles there are so new, I don't know if I want to say neutral, but they almost like that's the way you guys date is very, like 50-50, like those mm-hmm. gender roles are mm. so different than like, even let's say in Miami. Because there's such a strong Latin culture, Mm. we still we still date like a little bit more traditional. There's never a question of who's going to pay for the meal. Mm. Um, It's Mm. just it's part of our culture. Where in San Francisco, I just found this so interesting that like I don't know if it's because of the technology, the tech that's happening there, but the gender roles played a really funny like plays a really funny role in how you how San Francisco people date. And I was just wondering like especially maybe UA because you were coming from these other places. Like, Did you notice that? Did you find it like a different market?
1: Absolutely. And that was the basis of why Julia and I could not stop talking about dating because I was just shocked by the dating culture. Coming mm-hmm. from Beijing, where I lived for two years, same thing, very traditional gender roles. You know exactly what's happening on a date, who's calling, who's instigating, right. who's initiating. But in San Francisco, I remember telling Julie some of the stories where, on my first date, this guy brought his business proposal because he wanted to get my advice on something <laughs> he was trying to start. And, and I've also had I've also held doors open for men who didn't say thank you. And I, I became very resentful towards that. But I think I, I really there were two things that I really realized and. I can't wait for Julie to tell her story because she has only <laughs> known San Francisco dating in her adult life. Right? So this is like good. Okay. There was no point of comparison in that. But for me, there are two things I realized. One was most people are attracted to San Francisco for the city and for the for the career opportunities. So nobody's coming to San Francisco thinking I'm going to get a better love life. I'm coming here for the bustling single scene. <laughs> and I think when you when you attract so many people who are high achievers who are trying to to really you know amplify their careers, gender roles gets thrown out the door because it's mm-hmm. all about hey let's let's see what my next let's network so I can see what my next step is in my career. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I really realize is that when we first started the podcast we thought all of these these issues were very unique to san francisco what we found out was basically people in San Francisco dating were dating in the future because what we really predicted was what was happening five years ago. <laughs> wow. And if you, look at, if you look at what we experienced when we first started the podcast, we're starting to see the same things trickle down to some of the other cities like L.A., New York. Same things are happening. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say we have a much different dating scene. It's just that we're maybe dating a little bit farther ahead.
2: Yeah I was going to say something very similar cuz I've been here for 10 a little over 10 years I'm hitting my 11th year so I've base I'm originally from the east coast so I have that background but like UA mentioned I've pretty much spent my entire adult dating life since 25 here. And I think there's I mean San Francisco has changed since I first moved here. It's definitely a bit more like tech broy and like has like those connotations where I think when I first moved here I definitely moved here for work, don't get me wrong and others did too, but there was also this like progressive view of San Francisco and a lot of people moved here because they didn't want the stereotypical life necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I think that still holds true today. I think that's why polyamory, for example, is something that's so out in the open here. While it exists other places, it's much more closeted. And here it's celebrated as people that are saying, hey, I want to optimize my love life and I want to, you know, I I don't want to be cheated on. I don't want to cheat. I want to like do something that is going to make me happy for the long term. I don't want to be in one of those like boring sex sexless marriages not to say that all marriages are Mm -hmm. but I think that's what people's mentality is like I can I can design, if I can design a tech product or an app, I can design the love life I want. That's and yeah, and I think that mentality is what has kind of put San Francisco in the future, as UA said, I think that's a good way to say it. It's not that we have it all figured out, but a lot of the things that are really coming to the surface and surface other places have already been here for a few years, like apps, for example. I think that was one of those things like when apps were kind of blowing up in different parts of the different other cities or in the country or even all over the world. San Francisco had been doing that for like three, four years at that point because all apps are created here. So it's just an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic. And I really do think the shift is happening for gender roles all over. I think it's, I agree it's happening in San Francisco first because one, people don't like need to prescribe to just old values and traditions because of that progressive nature. But also like UA said, a lot of people are very, alpha and career driven, no matter what your gender. And I think that's going to just continue to go everywhere.
0: So fascinating. That's, it's just so interesting. So for those of us who don't know what, so what are these new, like the new types of relationships that you guys have been seeing that you see (laughs) that you're saying that are a little bit more common, right? Than over here. I hear them too. Like, um, again, Miami is a little, we're we're so traditional that it's not really like in here in Miami, but I hear it through my clients and then I experience my clients in those relationships as well. But if you can share that for those of us who are, you know, I don't know, in Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think like starting at like
2: the most kind of, PC common is probably just people that are like, I don't need to necessarily get married and have children, or I don't need to necessarily settle down right away. I want to develop myself. Maybe I want to hook up with a bunch of people like there's that level. And then if you go up, there's people that are In into polyamory, which means like loving many and having relationships with many and open relationships is in a similar camp, but different that they have less relationships with others, but they will have sexual relations or hook up with others. And I think it's really that the, uh, the folks here just don't believe in monogamy. Like they don't believe that that's what is meant for humans. It's the whole concept is ethical non monogamy. So the idea is that I'm not going to cheat, which I think is half the problem with cheating is, or maybe even more than half the problem is the deception. It's not necessarily the physical act of sex. So if I can create this relationship where my partner knows that I'm openly having sex with other people or even openly having relationships with other people, then I can kind of counter that. So there's a lot of that that's happening. And then within that, there's different variations. There's triads where there's three people in a relationship or (laughs) Um, Then you also have like unicorns where it's like one person dating a couple. So there's some other variations that get even more
0: extreme.
1: It's, um, and I think sorry, even beyond anyway. all of that, because there's so many different configurations, I think everyone has their own idea of what polyamory is, what an open relationship is. But what is interesting in the cultural shift is the language that people use to describe the, the people they're in relationships with. They're, we're getting away from possession and more towards... This is someone I am connecting with. So for mm-hmm. example, you'll hear people talk about their partner all the time. It used to be the term used for if you were in a homosexual relationship, this is my partner. Now hetero people use it. All kinds of relationships will use partner. And then even for like polyamorous relationships, it used to be hierarchical. So you have your primary and then you have the secondary tertiary. (laughs) But now we're seeing the shift towards non-hierarchical polyamory. It's just that you're connecting with multiple people and everyone's equal and you, you treat everyone as an equal partner. So we're really seeing that cultural shift away from possession.
2: Yeah. And I think like one of the benefits, like the benefit of all this, I think there's two things. It can be very confusing. I think there's something about the traditional <laughs> yeah. way is that you just have one path. You know what you need to do. You know the steps that are taken, you know the progressions of a relationship. And then with this, it's, it's all unknown territory. And I think that's actually one of the reasons what's made modern dating so difficult. Like if you get on an app, let's say you are someone that wants a more traditional relationship. You don't know if the other people want that. Like it's hard to know what everyone is looking for. But I think the beauty of it is that, I mean, we're kind of a generation that has a fallout of divorce. Like we've had, we've experienced being in marriage, following that one path and not being happy in life. So I think what the benefit here is, again, it's not saying that marriage is not the right path. Like it can be. And I think that's one of the benefits too, is it's not just getting married and prescribing to gender roles or like a way that we had to do it. It's creating the marriage that you want or you're deciding to take another path and create that love life that you want.
0: I mean, it's it's beautiful and, I, and it's, it's fascinating because it's exactly... Uh, connected to the tech development. Like you said, like just the, you know, we can design this, we can design that, like, why not design this? So it's just so fascinating, fascinating to watch. Um, I do. And I'm with you. Like it, it is confusing for um, like, I have clients who are in some of those kinds of relationships and it's, 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 it's so, it's confusing for them because they're having to rework some of their their programming, like it's basically right. like you have mm-hmm. to up, you have to like upgrade that programming in order to understand how you really feel about being in this relationship. Because you may look at a girl who's in a relationship with a guy who's in an open relationship, and you may be like, oh, she has no self worth. That thinks she thinks that's all she can get, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which I definitely, when I first saw that, I was like, wait a second, like what's happening? But the, when I've kind of started to understand is that. You actually like the person has to break down their belief systems in order to really mm-hmm. understand how they feel about being in these relationships. And a lot of them feel good being in those relationships. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's the programming that kind of like sets us off there. So, and you know, it's hard because you have to do a lot of convincing, you have to like convince other people mm-hmm. that you're okay. You know, I find a lot yep. of my clients like feeling like they need to explain themselves um, when. You know, it's like you really, it's, it's very brave, you know, it's very courageous. So interesting that it's fascinating that you guys are seeing it early. What, um, one quick
1: point that's what you said triggered something that I thought about, um, was we had a woman on our show talk about navigating an open relationship. She's never done open relationships before. And mm-hmm. the guy she fell in love with only wanted open relationships and she came on our show, and what we realized is that, in addition to the programming and reprogramming of yourself and your your beliefs, there's also a lot of trial and error, be, because these relationships don't come with a user man- manual. You don't know, totally. like, how do I how do I enter an open relationship? Step one, right? You do, you know, you just do it. <laughs> so that's also part of a lot of the conflict too, it's a trial and error because for some, for a lot of these open relationships too, there is an, another level where you do overstep or you do cross the line, but you have to figure out where that line is.
0: Right, definitely. And I mean, it, and it may not even happen like just because you're interested, I think in those types of relationships, it may not be the one that you end up in, you know, it may not be the one that like you stay in forever mm-hmm. um, because also like, it's going to take time for those relationships to have a manual, like you explained, you know, and, and like the reason, you know, the way we do relationships right now is easy because like we've seen people doing it for generations, you know? Um, and yeah. I don't know the history of these kind of relationships, but my, my, for some odd reason, don't ask why, but I was looking into Greece mythology yesterday and I I forgot what, um, it was funny on Wikipedia they had a breakdown of like the different gods and who they had children with and some of these gods were having children with like 52 women basically wow. and i was like you know this, this has probably existed for a while <laughs> you know um yeah. at some point these kind of relationships um you know obviously were getting out of hands or whatever but i it's 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 interesting it's fascinating i'm not like an expert but it's interesting that you guys are seeing it earlier earlier than than most of us so
2: um, you know what else though it's like even not these so long un- quote unquote, like untraditional relationships. I think even traditional relationships are going to start to not have a user manual. Like, even if you're with Mm -hmm. one partner, you get married, you have children, you go down the that traditional, whatever path it, I think what's going to really shift is that people are still going to really shift how they have that relationship and they find something that works for them and their partner. Like, One of the things that we've noticed is just how important communication is. And this isn't a revelation, like everyone knows this, but I think Mm -hmm. people's willingness to communicate in relationships now versus, let's say, 10 years ago is instrumentally different. I think we are in an age of therapy being accepted where men are now starting to be okay with their feelings too. And I think, like, we've talked to, like, we did an episode with Ashley Madison, the affairs site. And one of the things that was fascinating there is we talked to a lot of the people that were having affairs, and a lot of them just did not talk to their spouses, like people that they had been married to for years, like there was just no open communication, no safe space. And I think like our generation, that is something that is a priority. And I know for mm-hmm. myself, like if I can't have an open conversation with someone, they can't hear me. They can't hear my feelings, where I'm coming from, how like I want to work with them to create a relationship. Then it's not going to be a relationship with them for me.
0: Absolutely. Um, i I have to listen to that episode. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> right? uh, so, if you guys so remember good. what number that is, um, we'll, we'll definitely share that. And I think you know this is probably like a just kind of off topic, but that on the communication piece, I think a, a lot of reason why I see some women maybe taking longer than they expected to form that relationship at whatever year, you know, whatever age they thought they were supposed to form it in. A lot of it has to do with we're, we're still training. Like men are still catching up in communication. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault. It's, it's like, you know, it's the patriarchy's been having for a long time. And I feel like the work that has been being done, th- our generation. Um, like if you're, you know, an early millennial, let's say, or, um, that you have been training that man. So to communicate, I see a lot of that happening, a lot of, um, communication training going on. And it's easy to kind of be like, Oh, it just hasn't happened for me. But it's like, we're also just doing some heavy work. I don't think the next generation is going to have to do that. Um, it's funny. My husband is 10 years older than my youngest brother so the difference between like how Ooh. they relate um is it's night and day you know and my husband is yeah. uh, not you know it's just they' two, they're two different generations and what my son what my brother I'm sorry has been trained into is very different than like what my my, what was expected of my husband when he was dating and young, you know? So um, not that he's not young, poor guy, but anyways, <laughs> I think that that's like what you're saying about communication is so true, but we are in a, I, I really do feel we're like in a place of still training um, and oh, some absolutely. women as well, we're, we're still training ourselves, but that's a big reason why I think it's being delayed, not delayed, but maybe taking a little bit more time than we expected for this generation.
2: That's an interesting mm. perspective. I 100% agree with you. Like, me, like men that are in older generations versus younger think about things in very different ways. And I also think it applies to women too. Like, Yue and I are like at what we call elder millennials or Eliza. That's sh- too. Yeah, like, yeah, me
0: too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> on the
2: cusp. <laughs> yeah, we're like right on the cusp. So we kind of, you know, have these traditional values, but we also have progressive values. And then we talk to people that are in their twenties. Or like mid early to mid 20s, and they don't even know what the rules are. They have no qualms about approaching men and reaching out first. So I think things are shifting a lot. And I think it's an interesting point you brought up of why it might be taking some people that are in this more cusp uh, situation longer to find that person is because we want the progressive values, but maybe our partners or even ourselves aren't fully there yet.
0: Right perfectly said and put. Yes. Um, I would love to hear of any trends you, like, you know, ghosting has been a trend for a while, but any other trends that you see in the dating world that you feel like are, would be worth mentioning? Uh,
1: okay. Well, we have a lot of COVID trends. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Let's talk about COVID trends. We recently covered this new phenomenon called dumping, which is dumping someone over Zoom. <laughs> and this it. is something that we were seeing <laughs> during quarantine. And at first we thought, oh, what a terrible, na-. well, just dumping and dumping, those are just terrible words in general, but had a really negative connotation to it. But then when we really examined the, the kind of the intent behind it, The truth of the matter is relationships have to carry on whether we're in quarantine or not, whether COVID exists Mm -hmm. or not. And if during a time of quarantine, a relationship needs to end, it needs to end. And the best way to do that probably is through virtual setting, whether it's through a phone call or a video call. So it's just another way to phrase how people are navigating relationships during this time. I think another major trend that we've seen is people are really starting to question whether they want a relationship or not. We did an mm-hmm. episode um, this season on relationships. Do you really want one? And the point of this whole episode was for so many years, you grew up thinking that you want relationships because that's what society tells you you should do, even if you never really understood, understood what a relationship was. But this is a such a great, concentrated time right now, especially, for us to just reflect and think, do I one, do I know what a relationship is? And two, am I ready and do I want to enter into a relationship? So I think coming out of quarantine and coming out of COVID. We're gonna see a lot of daters who are going to making be making decisions that are more intentional than before.
2: Right. We also I think this has definitely been a time of self-awareness for many. And I think COVID has really ruined fuckboys, is another trend that we're seeing. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) It was so easy to like send that you up text or, you know, hit someone up. Or hit on someone at a bar, but now you're just not going to be hooking up as readily and easily. And I mean, we hear men that are serenading people over Zoom. Like there's people are really stepping it up. So I think it's really apparent. What's
0: going
2: to do exactly? They're screwed. They got to step it up or get out. I don't know. (laughs) Change their ways. This is the reform that we're that they're needing. (laughs) So that's definitely something that has come up. Is I think people they're bullshit meter is a lot higher. Like mm-hmm. I think people have used this time to really get clear of what they're looking for. And if that's not on their path, like they're not going to risk their lives and do things that once were so, you know, whatever it happens, it happens. And now there's a lot of consequences that could come with it.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's funny. I had a lot of clients, you know, of course I get scared about, you know, that they can't date during this time. It was, you know, it's, it's, especially if that's like something you're working towards. And it's, it was scary to think that like, maybe they can't meet people during this time. And, um, I was like, are you kidding me? It's like the best time, you know, everybody, (laughs) is everybody is like, listen, this is who I am. You know, this is what, like, this is what's happening. Like, you know, it's just, there's just so, like you said, like less of that kind of that BS meter is, is high, but also like we can't hide so much anymore either. So it is, mm-hmm. I felt that it was a good, good time. And I actually had a few um, students in my membership, like actually form relationships during this time and are still in those relationships. So oh, have great. Seen, yeah. Have you seen anything like that? Um, anybody like connecting or, or Julie, have you, did you do any some sort of like on the phone dating during coronavirus?
2: So I have done a couple recently. I, spent primarily coronavirus actually reevaluating a past relationship of mine with Mm -hmm. uh, my ex. And I think it was actually a good time for us to do this during COVID-19 too, because we had a lot of time to just air out everything that had gone on and see if we could resolve it. But ultimately we decided that it just wasn't the right fit still. And I've been experimenting with video dating a bit recently. I think I've been a little intimidated by it. I'm not going to lie. I think I kind of got over the hump this week. And I agree. I think there's a lot of benefits of it because, I mean, the one example that I had this week, it, it wasn't a fit. But I think I'd rather learn that on a video call than spend all the time and their time meeting up when it's blatantly not a fit, right? hundred percent. So, I think that's a win, also, like I'm all for obviously giving people a shot, but I think if you like there's sometimes you just know it's not gonna be a match, right? right, and I think like sometimes video just shows that a lot more than photos. I think though there is something that's like a little intimidating. I know for me, I always think like or I've been told too that i I look better in real life than even in photos, like I'm not mm. super photogenic, so it's more. Mm is my first impression or is the only impression I'm going to get from this person via video where I feel awkward. So I think that's a challenge to kind of make it work in your favor, but I think there's ways that you can start to just get more comfortable with that. And the reality is we might, we might be doing this for a very long time, if not ever of how this might change dating. So Mm -hmm. maybe it's the time is to invest in a ring light and, you know, learn how to (laughs) angle yourself because it might be something that's happening. Um, That's your next episode, guys. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I think one of um, our, like we've heard mixed. I'll say that I'll be honest as we've heard mixed from people. I think when the pandemic started, everyone was super excited about video dating. Cause it was new and novel. And then it started to like sour because people didn't know when they would ever meet this person. I think at the beginning too, it was like, "Oh, this is only going to be for a month," and then it just kept going. But now, with states reopening gradually, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I think more social like distancing,
0: open. <laughs> yeah,
2: social distancing, mm-hmm. dates, or people at least learning how to adapt with mass. Like people are meeting up again, so I think people's appetite is back open because there's there's a path at the end of the tunnel, and we have heard of people that have. Met, like, we had one past guest that said she struggled for years, uh, finding, like, a connection because the physical always seemed to get in the way. And she met someone through quarantine and they ended up, like, quarantining together for a bit and having, like, a pretty serious relationship. I think ultimately it actually didn't end up working, but at the same time, this might've gone on for years. And maybe they found out sooner. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It moved it forward. Well, I actually, um, I have, I have the same, I, the same situation with a few clients where I have some clients that move too quickly, typically, like they, you know, it's like meet, like sleep, like, you know, fantasize about being with this person, um, get really anxious about, the, you know, the speed and what's happening, what's not happening. And quarantine has like been the best thing for them because they had no choice but to get, to go slow and get to know somebody. So, um, I have, um, one student that, I mean, could never get past like a, you know, a third date or something. And she's in a full blown relationship right now because she was forced to like get to know this person over like a a slow four month period until they were like able to, and they didn't um, they're in different cities. So like um, they didn't, they didn't have the opportunity to to quarantine together, but now that things are opening, they just started being able to see each other in person. And uh, like I was, From the beginning, I was like, this is going to be the best thing for her. Like, I just knew I was like, this is going to be the best thing. Like, hallelujah, quarantine, because (laughs) she, she had no other choice. And there was no anxiety of, like, you know, is this person maybe seeing other people, like... That's not probably, you know, that's probably not happening if that's like one of her concerns or um, where is this going or like, is this progressing? Like she mm-hmm. didn't have to, she couldn't ask those questions because this was like the speed that it was going in. Uh, so definitely the slowing down. Is good for those of us who are use like our body to get um, gl- close to somebody sometimes, like and and missing all the mm-hmm. red flags from the get go. And this, you know, this I think has been in the favor of those of us that that's like our our situation. Definitely, that was my situation when I was dating. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's yeah, great, there's
1: just no out. There are no other distractions. You're not at a bar. You're not thinking about your next drink. You're not thinking about what you're doing for brunch with your friends this weekend. So it is that focused time with the person that you're talking to. I would also say that we've had a few listeners say, I can't wait to meet this person so that I can see if my feelings are real. We've been talking throughout the entire three months of Lockdown, and I can't wait to see if these feelings are, are carried true when we meet in person. I would also say to anybody in this position, you're currently in a relationship. It, even though you haven't met that person in real life, you're still in a relationship. Your feelings are invested. You are still putting yourself into someone's life and integrating them into your life. So whether this relationship carries out in the real world with, well, quote unquote, real world when you meet in person or not. I wouldn't say don't, don't feel disappointed or defeated that if it doesn't work out when you do meet because you're still going through a relationship. This is all great practice for another relationship if this one doesn't work out.
2: That's a great totally. point. I think the other thing that's really nice about it is we have to remember that modern dating was not perfect before COVID-19. I mean, how many times have people said like modern dating sucks and all this stuff? So mm-hmm. I think people kind of have amnesia that they wanted to go back to the way it was. I think <laughs> this can be this is like a good opportunity for us to create the dating life that we want. And I know for me personally, it got to a point when I was doing a lot of serial dating, but I wouldn't even like add someone's number in my, or name in my phone. Like I'd put their number in. I would, I wouldn't take that next one second step to add their name because I thought in my mind, there's a pretty good shot. I'll never see this person again. That's a terrible way to go into a date. I think like for me, like the best, uh, date I had that actually ended up turning into a relationship that I had from a dating app was someone that I was really excited to meet. Like we had really good banter ahead of time. I was genuinely excited to meet him. And I think that mindset shift really, I mean, one, we just got along well in person. It translated from digital to real life. But I think the mindset shift of having that excitement to meet up is so essential. And I'm hoping that that translates now, especially if you've done a few phone calls or video dates with someone, at least you're weeding out the people that are just like wildly wrong for you at that point. Totally, And you can get excited to actually meet the people that have made it through those steps in real life.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like when you're interviewing for a job, chances are like, they're going to first video, like interview you over the phone right. before they, you know, so why, why would we do this any other way? Um, so right. Question. Speaking of like mindset, um, I know that you guys have a really nice Facebook group, which I love the name, Love in a Time of Corona, uh, with my <laughs> the Datable podcast. And um, I was wondering if you've been seeing kind of mental health or mindset like slipping mm. during Corona. Like I've seen it a lot. So I was just wondering if you're seeing that in the group and what's been like your approach or take on that?
1: I think the fact that more and more people are joining our Facebook group just shows that people really need support right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most of our conversations right now are turning into how how are you navigating through this? How are you dealing with this? And it's been really wonderful to see people support each other, but also just be really vulnerable during this time. Um, I think mental, we've all always been such huge fans of just working on mental health. And we always say you have to work on your mental health first before getting into a healthy relationship. But now more than ever, I think because people are so alone with their thoughts that any sort of mental health, anything comes up, it becomes really amplified during this time. And for anybody who's starting to feel that suddenly, you're not alone. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are feeling this. And the first place you should go to is to find that support system. And you'd be surprised. Your support system doesn't have to be your closest friends or your, your relatives, your family, which, which are great support system. But sometimes it's nice to have a group of strangers yeah. <laughs> who can give you really objective advice and who can look at your situation without knowing you. It's really nice to have that too.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think people have been handling the pandemic in various ways. And um, also with Black Lives Matter, that was just a very trying time. And it still continues to be, it was just mentally exhausting. And that's, I mean, I'm not even speaking as someone that is a Black person in the US right now. Like, I don't even want to say what that feels like at this point. So I think there's just a lot going on. And we have to just you know, like everyone's trying to do their best right now. And that means how people support each other, how you support yourself. And I think just giving yourself some slack too, like trying to get better every day and having a growth mindset of how you approach everything from like like interracial conversations to also just how you deal with dating, whatever it may be. I think you just want to make sure that you're supporting yourself, supporting others, and, you know, just getting incrementally better.
0: Mm -hmm, Definitely. And, you know, just being able to spend the time with your thoughts of like even like seeing the scariest thoughts the thoughts of like mm. what if i'm going to be alone forever well what are what if what you know what if you are going to be alone forever you know i think that that right. is like these thoughts have like shown up so much during um during a time of solitude and um being able to to see that like all ultim- to like you know just seeing like the, 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 the monsters, like kind of that exists within us, especially when it comes to dating. So I have seen that to be like very beneficial and good, even though it was like, it's, it's scary, but at least we get to see like what's inside of us. So that's been like a good thing um, for that. But definitely like, I love the idea of, of these groups because then you start to see that like, you're not, you're, you think you're alone, but you're not alone. Like there's so Mm -hmm. what you're experiencing is something that like all, you know, so many of us in the same boat are experiencing. So that's beautiful that you guys brought that together during the most perfect time.
2: (laughs) That has been a reoccurring theme for sure. On this podcast and the Facebook group is that we are
0: never alone in our situations. Like we might think we are, but we are not. Definitely. And I think that that's like, that's the beauty also of the dateable podcast, like bringing a lot of those like intimate moments, um, to, you know, like to the microphone <laughs> and being yeah. able to be like, oh, mm-hmm. see, they're just like us. Um, <laughs> so I love it. So, Well, ladies, thank you so much for being here. I love it. If you can share a little bit about like how people can connect with you. Um, I know you have the, the amazing offering of the dating coaches that are on your website. So if anybody needs extra support when it comes to dating, that's available, the Facebook group, and of course, the podcast, the Datable podcast, which is anywhere you listen to podcasts, but anything else that you want to share or um, any last words? Yeah. I mean, I think you
2: can just check uh, oh, check us out on our website is probably the easiest way. But like you mentioned, we're available on every major platform for the podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then datablepodcast.com is where you can find the coaching services you mentioned. And then at podcast on social media, Instagram is probably our most active channel.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's anything for you, UA that was that was it (laughs) your your partner did a good job (laughs) a very good job okay all right ladies thank you so much for spending time with us today thank you for sharing your insight and and thank you for the show i mean this is just like the beginning there's so much more to um you offer so much through the show so i'm so grateful that you came on and we were able to introduce you to the final swipe community so thanks for being here thank you thanks for having us thank Thanks so much for listening. For more guidance on your journey to the final swipe, please visit me at nikkinovo.com.